From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. I'm doing what I want. I'm choosing, I'm picking, and I'm really relishing that, the independence and the control, and also the fact that if I choose not to do something, it's all on me. Today on episode 45 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Marion Witte. Marion loves every minute of running her own HR consulting and coaching business after leaving 25 years of corporate life. In this episode, we discuss some of the powerful ways to build your own consulting business, even in a time of great disruption. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on going solo, or if you know someone who would, please get in touch with me via our website at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Marion Witte. After over 25 years in corporate HR, Marion established the Witte Consulting Group in 2019, an HR consulting, career and executive coaching, and team facilitation business. Leveraging her experience in the chemical and life sciences industries, especially DSM and Dow Chemical, she develops people and organizations globally. Marion is a certified master coach and an Everything Disc national partner. She received her MBA in human resources from Fairleigh Dickinson University. Marion believes that everyone has a story that deserves to be heard, and she enables leaders and teams to find their potential. Marion, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. I'm very happy to be here. Marion, what prompted you to go solo in the first place? Well, I was one of those victims of a reorganization, restructuring. I had been fortunate enough to be the global talent development director for the life sciences part of our business, but was able to be in New Jersey in the U.S. And the decision was made back in September of 2018 that they wanted to relocate that part of my role back to Europe. And with that, there was not enough work in the U.S. for me to stay. And so the decision was made that I would be exiting. And the good news was I had enough work. I had two major projects I was working on. So I remained through the end of the year working on them and then eventually left January of 2019. So you actually had some lead time, which um, doesn't happen in a lot of cases. Correct. I I was really fortunate, uh, not only for the lead time, but uh, really working with um, the organization in terms of what the direction was, where I was going to go and what the needs were for the organization. And uh, that's when all of the uh, dots started to be connected for me. Uh, the, The company gave me a great package, so it gave me a little room to breathe. And then it was also, I was listening to a lot of people who had been saying for a very long time, you should go out on your own. And so having that space to be able to think about that and knowing I had a bit of a soft landing, that's when I really started putting all the dots together and saying, okay, if I'm going to do it, this is the time I'm going to go out on my own. Good. And an amicable departure really helps. Absolutely. Absolutely. And really a respectful a tribute, um, you know, for the work that I had done, but it really also just shows the type of company that they are. Absolutely. And was there anything you were able to do during that period between the decision that you were going to be exiting in September 2018 and your actual departure in January 2019 that you you were able to sort of put in place so that it would make the what you did next easier? 
Yeah, absolutely. So even though I was working on those two projects, so I was on the payroll through the end of the year, I did register my company and I started getting the checking accounts and got all of those pieces really November of 2018, even though I knew I wasn't going to be doing anything until after I left the company. And uh, the plan initially was once I left the company, that then I would be able to pick up about 50% of my work in my business from my company, from the company I just left. And that was probably the first big um, change of plans that happened for me because then the decision was made to put a hold on coming back into the organization as a consultant for at least six months. So, you know, as a new business owner, I hit my first surprise and had to really rethink what I was going to need to do. It was going to be all new business development uh, starting right out of the gate. Wow. So that sounds like a little bit of a surprise. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. We, um, I had, had been having a lot of conversations. Uh, there was a lot of work to be done and definitely could show you know, value for me to continue what I had been working on. Uh, but you, you know, it happens, right? It's business and these things happen. But it did have me uh, be able to really think on my feet and say, well, now you can't fall back. Uh, you can't coast. You, if you're going to do this, uh, soft landing or not, you got to get going right away. And so that's why uh, pretty much once I left the company, I was already out there having lots of cups of coffee with people. <laughs> right. So you didn't take any time off. You just started looking for business. I did. I did. So the first thing I did was I joined um, the local chamber of commerce here. Then I also kept my membership with the National Diversity Council, which I was very involved with at my company that I had left. And those were my two biggest network groups that I really started attending the meetings, um, networking with the people involved in both of those organizations, just to start building again and really starting to build that network. I did take some time off uh, just for personal reasons. Uh, my dad was quite ill and uh, they say things happen for a reason. And uh, I was able to be with him in his last few weeks. And, uh, you know, he passed in March. But I had already laid a lot of the groundwork so that then when um, I was ready to get back into things, which, you know, after a few weeks, I already had some networks. I had the connections with these uh, associations and some other folks that I had met. Mm. And in your networking and business development, what did you find worked really well? You know, it was talking to people about what they needed, uh, really listening to what was happening out in the real world, if you will. When you're with a company for, you know, as long as I was, at least this was my experience, you become myopic. You know, as much as people say, continue to network, you should keep your external network out there. I didn't. I stayed very focused on what I was working on. And when I got out there to these various groups and started talking to people, just amazed at what else was happening. And so really listening to people, listening to what challenges they had helped me to start fine-tuning the areas that I, want, I knew I wanted to focus on. And, you know, you were hearing challenges about team dynamics. I was hearing challenges about, I don't know what I want to do going forward. And I was hearing a lot of challenges with um, uh, careers and career planning and just the nuts and bolts and pieces. So just by talking with people and listening to them instead of me selling as much in the beginning, I really created these connections that then I could go back to and build upon from there. 
And how did you make the transition from from listening and identifying recurrent themes to selling? This was when I would go back and really um, I honed my elevator pitch, if you will. So at the uh, the Mount Olive Chamber of Commerce is wonderful for networking. So then I was able to stand up and really position my wares and my services. And they always give you the opportunity to say, what's your ask? And so then I was able to really say, here are my target audiences. Here are the people that I'm looking to connect with and build the network from there. And I did the same with the diversity group in terms of connecting what skills and what challenges those companies had and connecting that with what I've done in the past and what I was doing going forward. Makes a lot of sense to me. Sounds very thoughtful. Sounds strategic. Marion, how long did it take until you were able to land your first client? I was happy to say my first coaching client was June. And interestingly enough, for as much as that strategy and the actions I had been doing, it was a cold call. This gentleman had actually met me years before when I was in a hiring capacity in HR when I was at DSM. And he remembered my name that I had been talking to him. We had had conversations. He didn't get the job at DSM, but when he was deciding to look for career coaching and he looked at his LinkedIn connections, he saw me and saw that I had gone out on my own and he picked up the phone and he called me. Wow. And that was my, that was my first one. Right. So it wasn't that you were cold calling someone else. He actually called you based on a, on a previous connection. Exactly. Exactly. And I am finding, I'm finding a lot now is, uh, is about the referrals and the connections. So it's either that as I'm doing career services, folks are coming back to me or they're um, referring me to their neighbors. Or even now I I heard that uh, my name was mentioned on a Facebook community page and it was Facebook moms in a particular area in upstate New York. And they said, oh no, we know who you can call. And my name's out there from the referral side of the business. From the more the team building and the team facilitation, that's coming from DSM folks who have left the company before me who know what I've delivered. And so they're calling me and I'm going into their organizations and uh, and working out strategies and plans uh, for them that way. And how much a part of your business development is networking and other kinds of relationship building tactics now? It's still pretty big. I still maintain the uh, the networks that I have. Um, I also started uh, now going to the local SHRM, Society of HR Management, chapter meetings uh, to also build upon the HR side of the community. So um, I would say it's a good 25 to 30% that I'm still networking. Mm-hmm. And January through June sounds like a lot of time to be networking and and developing relationships. It's also, I'm guessing it's a pretty big shift in how you primarily used your time from what you were doing when you were an employee. Can you talk to me a little bit about what it takes to maintain perseverance and positive mindset when you're when you're essentially telling the same story to different people over and over and over again for a period of time? And and it takes a while till it actually turns to close business. Absolutely. And it has been such a learning experience for me. It is very different than clocking in to a corporate job uh, day in and day out for sure. 
And the perseverance, I think it comes from a few things. First off, I'm doing what I want. I'm choosing, I'm picking, and I'm really relishing that, the independence and the control. And also the fact that if I choose not to do something, it's all on me. And so there's a lot of that uh, entrepreneurial spirit is is really showing up a lot. Uh, the other thing that helps with the positive mindset is there were days and there were weeks where I was feeling down. You know, I didn't have anything on my calendar. I wasn't getting any calls. And I was just saying, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe I should be looking elsewhere. And that's where a support network came in. I am lucky enough that I am surrounded by either, well, mainly women who have gone out on their own and have opened their doors, opened their arms to me so that I can call them and bounce things off of them and hear their experiences. So the support there. And then just, I have just a great group of uh, colleagues uh, even still at DSM and those who have left that if I can, if I call them and we just talk through things, it usually gives me a nice boost and a reminder of, yes, I can do this. I still got this. So having that tribe, having that support network that you can either go seek advice or you just seek reinforcement, validation has been very important to me. And I think then the other, the, the third piece is knowing myself is, I have to get out of this uh, home office, which right now is very tough. So I'm becoming the Zoom expert to stay in touch with people because I really made it a discipline to be sure I had things on my calendar to get out of the home office and get to Panera, get to any coffee place, any place for a lunch, for a visit, just to maintain contact. That always kept me going and gave me energy. In fact, I had my best ideas when I was going or coming back from one of those meetings to then come back and and really um, strategize some more and make some more plans. Yeah, the peer support and interaction with with colleagues and others is really important. I I couldn't agree more. Absolutely, Marion. At what point did you feel like your business was sustainable? <laughs> it's interesting when I first said no to some work. When I realized that uh, in one of the career services areas, uh, in terms of what was being requested by an individual and what I had in terms of bandwidth and the really the value of my time versus what uh, was being asked wasn't matching. And so instead of just panicking and saying, I, I, you know, it has to be everything, I said no. And by saying no, was able to then, then I knew, then I knew I was getting to a place where I could be making those and really looking at the true ROI of what am I delivering and what am I um, getting in return? You know, it's funny how in the business development process, Mm -hmm. when we say no to something, it is much more powerful than when we say yes. Yes. Very true. Very true. And and again, that was another part of my learning because I'm usually the type that have always said yes to to a detriment. I have usually said yes to too much, and then I find I, I can't deliver. And you know, realizing now that there is a success and a monetary value to those no's just as much as the yeses has been really um, revelationary <laughs> to yep, me. Yeah, absolutely, Marion. At this point. Uh, you're now in sort of midway through your second year. Who's your ideal client? 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. My ideal client can comes from a very different areas. But if I were to look at the bottom line, the the common threads of ideal client, it's anyone who's motivated to make a change in their lives. And if I can break that out, then it could be someone who has said, I'm willing to take the time to make the change in my career or to just have to know that it's important to have somebody to talk to as a coach to think about what I want to do in my career or how to improve myself in terms of behavior or skills. But it's also that same type of motivation for a leader who wants to look at their team and they're looking to bring their team to that next higher results. And it's also an HR colleague who also wants to, is motivated to want to raise their game and in, de, in the delivery to their organizations. So the bottom line is my ideal client is someone who is motivated and willing to make those changes. And then through HR consulting, through the coaching or through the team facilitation, then I can engage with them to get them to that next stage. Marion, what do you think is the most important thing for someone to do that after a job loss, if they want to build their own business? You know, if if it's sudden, like a lot of times, especially nowadays, right? When it's sudden, breathe. The first thing I would say is breathe and figure out what do you want to do? Not what you need to do, but what do you want to do? I think that would be the first step is take that pause, take that reflective time. And then right after that, be open. Just be open and say yes. And look to it as an opportunity to say, you know, you can make make the world, the future, what you want it to be. And that's from a, a sense of want. What do you want in life versus what do you need in life? That'll open up the landscape. Absolutely. And then for yourself, looking forward, what's your dream for your business? Well, my my first dream for my business is I have too much business that I can manage. And I would really love to start expanding that then it becomes a group. Uh, so right now it's a group of one. I would love that group to become more than one so that the business is coming in so uh, rapidly that I can call on colleagues and and other experts that we can begin to really become a powerhouse. That would be my ideal is, is that at some point this is a uh, witty consulting group is known uh, for our credibility, our respectability, our delivery, and that we're more than one person. That's the ultimate dream. Yep. Sounds great. And it sounds to me like um, from everything we've discussed, you really like the collaborative process. You like the interaction with other people. So um, I'm uh, betting on this happening as part of the, oh, part of your great. future. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's funny because uh, actually the collaborative part uh, is is really a key point for me. And again, that's another piece where I have to always remember if I feel like I'm getting stuck, it's probably because I haven't reached out to somebody just to connect. Connecting is very important to me. Yeah, I can hear that. Is there anything else about this process that you've gone through that you'd like to share? You know, I think it's just, it, it really is, it's, I, I mean, I'm having a blast. I'm having a blast with uh, everything I'm learning, uh, it, even to the point that I didn't realize I came from a very int- entrepreneurial family until I put all those dots together and realized I was the only one in my family who has never been an entrepreneur. So, but I'm having a blast. I'm having a blast on every piece of it, even on the bad days. And I think that would probably be my advice to somebody. There are going to be bad days. There's going to be 
slumps. There's going to be days where you just can't find the energy to do something to move it along. And at that point, it's a matter of just taking that breath and picking one of your support group, pick one of your tribe and pick up the phone and talk to somebody. And that will give you the energy and it will just refresh you and it will get you back on track. Yeah, that's a good piece of advice. Marion, if somebody wants to go deeper with anything that we've discussed today, or they want to learn more or access any resources you have, where's the best place to go learn and learn about you and contact you? Yeah, absolutely. I am very, very big on LinkedIn, so they can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, message me on there. They should just let me know that they heard about me through you and the podcast. They can send me an email, marion at wittyconsultinggroup.com. And uh, yeah, those are the two best ways uh, to get a hold of me. That sounds great. And do you have a, a gift for our audience? I do. I do. And what I really want to offer is the gift of time. So I'm willing to offer a one hour complimentary coaching session for the first 25 folks who uh, contact me and let them know it was because they heard the podcast. And uh, we'll do an accelerated coaching session in that one hour. Sounds great. Well, Marion, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Going Solo and share your experiences, your insights, and some great advice. My guest today has been the owner of Witty Consulting Group, Marion Witty. Thank you again, Marion, for joining us. Thank you, David. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. Today, we learned how to build your own consulting business, even in a time of great disruption, and much more. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.